0: Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talks with me, Matthias. And today I have a guest with me. Hello, Ben, and welcome to the show. Hey, Matthias. Thanks for having me. So, today we're going to talk about some Terraform and uh, like best practice and common mistakes about Terraform. Uh, But first, tell me a little bit about you. Who are you and why are you so interested in Terraform?
1: Yeah, uh, (laughs) I'm the founder of a company called dragandrop.cloud and basically. Uh, what we say we do is, and what we do do <laughs> is deliver Terraform best practices as, as a pull request. So adding kind of best practices on top of an existing, uh, Terraform management stack.
0: Yeah, this is going to be great. And now I have so much, uh, questions to ask you, uh, about, you know, best practices during Terraform. Right. And I hope that you, you can, can start with it. So, uh, What's the, the most when we when we talk about Terraform, what what comes up as the most common mistake that people that people do right when you start Terraform? Because when I set up Terraform, I didn't know that much, so so I started it, and then I mean you read some guides from from HashiCorp, and maybe you set up your, your state and stuff. But, but then I think when you go, if you go kind of the wrong path, you are kind of stuck in that. For for a long time, so uh, when you set up a fresh Terraform project, like what's the the first things you make sure that that that's in, are there, right?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think the challenges maybe are different by organization depending on your level of maturity. So yeah. I guess we can start with, you know, what are the challenges when starting out fresh. Yeah, and so I think a big common oversight is the use of a single state file. Yeah, when people are starting up, so state is essentially the way Terraform keeps track of, you know, what Terraform is managing and what it thinks the current state, for uh, lack yeah, of a better word, is yeah. of the remote cloud environment, and if that state file becomes in charge of managing too many resources. Yes. It can really bog down your deployments. And it also probably most immediately makes you susceptible to uh, a high blast radius or oh, a large yeah. blast radius if something gets corrupted in that state file. Basically, you don't want to be in the middle of deploying something or accidentally make a mistake and corrupt your state file and then render your entire infrastructure environment uh, useless because everything is managed by one state file. yeah
0: so, so you like you just divide the terraform in different like packages and each package all, like, a or like folder whatever has its own state file right uh, So you do one for like how, how do you uh, kind of determine what, what what's in one state file and one is another is it up to you. Uh, to have it in or like it's like this is vpcs or like this is uh, the the cluster or do you have some good recommendation there or it's like uh, doesn't really matter just as long as you split them up right
1: yeah i mean (laughs) certainly you want some kind of logical division uh, within your cloud so generally that's kind of by application area and environment yeah so with the example you gave you know, probably your dev networking can be one state file. Your production networking can be another state file. And then say you have an application that one team is working on this infrastructure to support that yeah, um, can be in one state file for dev and production if you have staging as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, when you have state file, I mean, when Terraform run, uh, this is a problem we have. And we have, I have a big state file, right? It's, it has everything. And it started small, and then you right grow right into big. Uh, and as you say, it just takes a long time to, to run this, and it's really dangerous because if someone, you know, type in destroy, everything's gone. Uh, but right. other issues is, right, you cannot uh, lock uh, the same state file uh, right, to identities; so Only one can work with the state, right? that's also solved them by having multiple states, but then you can work with different environments at the same time, right?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, so yeah. someone in that kind of mock environment that we just described, someone can make changes to development uh, networking without uh, halting the ability for another team to push changes to their application infrastructure and production, as an example. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's much faster because if you have everything on one state file, Terraform needs to make API calls <laughs> to the cloud provider for your entire infrastructure, which yeah. uh,
0: is pretty cumbersome. <laughs> it is, it is. And, and where, where do you keep you, your state file if you can choose them? Yeah. Where do you store them?
1: Yeah, so the, I'd say the only thing that you should definitely avoid is a local state file. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> basically, you know, that makes it impossible to share it across team members. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so you should always be looking first, okay, how can I store things remotely? And then there are several options. You know, if you want to stay the full yeah. open source path, you can use any of the major cloud providers blob storage solutions. Yeah. So something like an S3 backend, Azure, um, storage account, you can use their, Blob Storage, same with Google Cloud. And then, of course, there are several companies offering, you know, essentially Terraform state backends along with other functionality as a service. So that includes HashiCorp themselves with Terraform Cloud, and then other companies like Spacelift, Scalar, and ENV0 also can serve as a state backend uh, for someone using Terraform.
0: Yeah, so this is great. So, I mean, this is a good practice. You want to split up the state file in, in small, like, not too big, and you want to store them somewhere remote so more people can access at the same time, right? Uh, but then we come to another problem. If more people can work on the same thing, uh, what happens then? Then you get, like, out of sync, and you get drift, then you get all that, right? How do you keep, like, your your one uh, terraform as, as a single, uh, you know, the the truth of what's running in, in your AVS.
1: Yeah, so I think there's kind of two two problems to unpack there. The first is can be solved by this idea of state locking. Yeah. So if two people are trying to make changes against a similar state file, the f- person who gets there first will generally it's good to have an implementation of state logging that will lock yeah. the state. The other person's changes won't apply and they'd have to go in next. Of course, you know, yeah. there may be some difficulty coordinating, maybe uh, the changes that just went in will affect their changes, but that's kind of present in any distributed <laughs> coding environment, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, yeah, not limited to infrastructure as code, but coding in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, yeah, drift is a drift is a big problem. So drift, um, maybe for those listening that are less familiar is essentially the idea that you have a resource defined in terraform in some way but then outside of your terraform workflow changes are being made yeah. so someone goes in the aws console they click around edit a feature or they're using the cli or maybe you even have application code that's you know using boto3 or something like that and, yeah. and making changes to your cloud environment that way and suddenly what is known in your state file to be the accurate state of your cloud and what's remote in Terraform, or sorry, remote in your cloud environment, they've drifted apart. Yeah. And so a lot of times teams will discover drift when they're trying to deploy something new, they run Terraform plan, and they see this massive list of changes (laughs) that they weren't anticipating. And they're like, whoa, what's going on
0: here? What is this? What is this? And they always start with like destroy. And then it's like, Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Drifting is is a big concern. Uh, um, I mean, you you wanna you don't wanna. It's, it's hard because you don't wanna have people going into AWS console and click things around. But sometimes uh, you need to. Things can happen in production, and then you need to get you in know, like resolve the issue. And, and, and then when you're on telephone plan, you run Terraform plan, you get the drift, and then you need to actually you know, commit to what they have changed. In that sense, it is is good, right? right? Yeah.
1: And, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just a painful time to be sidetracked from your workflow because usually yeah. people are running Terraform plan because they want to deploy a change. Yeah. And it's a painful time to be like, ah, oh, now I need to spend. <laughs> you know, I need to track down who who changed this uh, EC2 instance size and things like that. Am I going to break something if I overwrite this change? So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a painful it. time to have to go through that process. Yeah. yeah
0: and and when you run uh, terraform you have like different commands right you have like the, the init command that just init things and then you have like the plan that we like see what uh, what has to be changed and then they have apply but now the next question for for ebalancer how do you like uh, run your terraform command have you like do you have a local terraform that you apply or do you run it in a CACD tool you run plan on your device and then apply? I mean, they make the changes in the CA tool or like how do you evoke your Terraform commands into different stages?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd say again, there's a kind of a clear way not to do things, which yeah. I'll describe. And <laughs> then there's you know other ways of kind of getting at the same, same process. So yeah. the clear way not to do things is to rely on Terraform deployments through someone running Terraform plan and apply locally on yeah. their own computer. Um, Cause basically that, me- that implies that they can deploy anything uh, through their, their local terminal. Yeah. And they'd also, as a result, it implies that they have full right access to the cloud and some credentials uh, on their local machine. Yeah. So yeah, poor visibility with that method. We don't want to do that. The kind of one of the best practices is to have things go kind of in a GitOps workflow, essentially. So you open a pull request with the infrastructure as code changes you have. And then usually after approval, you can, you know, merge that code into the main branch and then have an automated process to plan and apply based off of what is now in that main branch.
0: Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's talk about more this, this GitOps workflow here because that's really interesting as well because, uh, uh, it, yeah, it's a GitOps workflow. It's not a pull uh, based But you but merge in your your changes then with help, but you need to test them, of course. You need to have maybe able able to run plan on your local so you can see the changes, and now you know that this is going in and it looks okay. And then you might want to merge the branch and now in the pipeline, you uh, kind of run the uh, maybe like the init and plan in the merge request, and then maybe the apply in master. It's so like now it's, in, it's something like that.
1: Yeah. So I think usually it's almost like the, the checks you were describing fit really well within like a CI pipeline. Yeah. So, you know, you open the new pull request, maybe run at that time a, a Terraform plan get to see the output. What's really nice about Terraform uh, when it's a source of truth is your cloud and the large community it has, you can go beyond just saying, are these changes what I expect them to be? You can yeah. actually use other community tools to validate for cost um, ahead of deploying code. And you can check for security vulnerabilities prior to deploying infrastructure. Whoa, so, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. what do you mean now? How can you check this? This is <laughs> I, I never heard about this before. Yeah, yeah. so
1: absolutely. So, uh, I'm not affiliated with these community tools, but yeah. um, they're they're pretty awesome. So, one on the cost side of things, is called InfraCost.
0: Yeah,
1: and that will essentially you know scan your Terraform and give you an estimate on oh, cool. monthly expected cost for that resource based off how it's described in Terraform.
0: Yeah. Ah, cool. cool, oh, cool. so it just calculates them from the AWS cost, yeah, like to est- est- estimate how much research is going to use, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It'll say, "Hey, this is an EC two instance. This is the image size. Here's some ah, other characteristics. Cool. This is going to cost <laughs> you that much." So you can see before you actually, you know, run Terraform apply. Yeah, what this what this is going to cost you?
0: It's going to be fun for uh, the product manager, maybe or the, like the. <laughs> other teams to look, but maybe not for a developer <laughs> for us ops. We just want to have it run. Like, no no, I don't care, just to make it run.
1: Yeah. Uh, like Whoa, this is a three thousand dollar pull
0: request. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> it's gonna be so stopping stopping that. Uh, that's that's cool. And what was the other uh, community? One was cost and other was like security to so do like linting or like does it check really if you open up like, ports and things like that as well?
1: Yeah, so you can do uh, linting. Um just like any other code, and there's other tools like something called Checkoff or TFSec or TerraScan. Wow. They'll essentially look at your Terraform configuration and identify common security vulnerabilities. Uh, for example, say, hey, you're allowing HTTP connections over this endpoint, you should only be allowing HTTPS. Yeah. So, kind of when Terraform is that source of truth, it's really awesome because you can use some of these great community tools and yeah. uh, proactively identify these issues before they get deployed.
0: Um, wow, uh, this is really cool. So, so then if you if go back, like have a state file and just chunk it up to small state file, store them yeah. remotely, have a look. Only allow developers to run a plan, not apply. So you check in your changes into your your pipeline. And now you can check that you don't break any security, things like open a port. You can also see that you don't spin up anything that will cost you a lot of money. And and then after everything is approved, then you can apply your changes to to, to AWS. Wow, this is great. So, so yeah. yeah, the next thing then how how do you keep like the Terraform to the source of the truth here? Do you want to keep that as like uh, you don't want to have other services coming in? Like you only want to have things running from from your code, right? Infrastructure's code through like uh, how can you keep that running? How do you do with access, for example? I mean, when when you want to have like when you set up a Terraform and you want to give terraform more access uh how do you can grant can it grant itself more access to what's needed is that possible
1: yeah i don't think it can grant itself access directly because the permissions needed to grant itself access would be pretty elevated so you'd (laughs) still need those initial permissions yeah 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 um yeah so from an access perspective um a lot of those managed offerings that I described previously, yeah. you know, they'll have ways of integrating with AWS or your cloud provider, getting access that way. Um, the other way is just to provide kind of anonymous environment variables to the environment uh, you're running Terraform plan and apply into. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: obviously there's uh less secure ways of doing that, you know, with a static credential and yeah. more secure ways using something like OIDC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially, you know, it's very similar to using uh, say the AWS API, you, you need yeah. similar credentials uh, to be in that environment one way
0: or yeah, another. So, yes. Yeah, so you need to set them up, but at least you can grant them to, uh, to the pipeline. So then, uh, I mean, users can only have like uh, uh, read access. Oh that's that's cool. That's cool. I mean this this sounds like a really neat way of working now. You have everything under control, right? Uh, uh, the, yeah, so I was thinking something but I kinda miss it. Yeah I think, I yeah, I think
1: the question was like, you know, how do we make sure Terraform is a source of truth, maybe?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How how can you keep that? I mean that's otherwise all this is it's useless, right? <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. That's why, that's why drift is so, is so painful because yeah. you can build up all this great tooling that we just talked about. You know, we have this Git-based workflow. We're making sure everything is a reasonable cost and secure prior to deploying it. But then yeah. someone can go into the AWS console or the GCP yeah. <laughs> console, make a change manually or just completely create a new resource. Yeah. And you've suddenly lost all those benefits. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how do you're- we how do we solve that? Um I think the you know the truest best way is to simply lock down all access so no one has right access yeah, yeah, yeah. in the cloud outside of the Terraform pipeline. Yeah. Of course, uh that is tricky, especially if you're adopting
0: Terraform within your organization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially if you're coming in and like you only have a, like infrastructure that someone set up by clicking a console and then you try to implement terraform and then uh, now you have a mix with like some is a good shape of terraform others is like i i don't know uh yes yeah. so some weeks ago we, we found the easy to survey in another region you know you know when you look and like why what, what is this and then if you just go by regions like oh but here's easy 2 where is this coming from? And nobody like, I don't know. Uh, yes. So it's full access to the console in AWS. Uh, it's great in the beginning. Maybe if you're a startup, something and want to click around. Right. But for running things on longer term, it's 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 not it's it's hard. It's hard.
1: <laughs> right. Especially as you want to scale or you know replicate yeah. things across environments becomes very difficult, whereas Terraform, you can kind of bundle different pieces of your environment into modules and have really stable deployments across environments.
0: Uh, how hard w- would you say? I mean, sometimes sometimes I work in, in operations and, and we can adopt the Terraform really quickly. We think it's code and really u- simple to use. But sometimes if a developer has a little bit like, no, 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 that's really uh, hard to work with. Uh, when you work with other companies, how do you see, do you see a lot, uh, do you see this, this, like, more working together, like ops and developers, or is it mainly still the ops that running this infrastructure uh, tools? Yeah, it's a great question.
1: And I think, you know, there's a tremendous variability between organizations, how they do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and depending on size, um, you know, m- At the largest organization scale, you're probably not seeing a ton of developers defining their own. Oh, they just like,
0: look at their, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not really looking at something else, right? Maybe at the middle (laughs) size where you have
1: uh, a pretty mature, say platform team or ops team, you might have a large organization marketplace of off the shelf infrastructure components that have been pre-approved. So, Mm -hmm. hey, you need an EC2 instance. Uh, here's this module defining an EC2 instance with our organization's best security practices.
0: Yeah, because can, this, is, in, this is really interesting because what we can do with, with Terraform, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, it's like you build a, a module and you say like the EC2. And then, uh, you know, as a company, you can set uh, some uh, permissions and boundaries on that module. And now more or less, you have like a template of what the EC2 should be able to do. And you can give that module over to developer and say, if you spin up EC2, you only need to uh, supply this uh, like uh, variables or something, and then Terraform will make sure that it's sets uh, up the uh, EC2 with the right things, right?
1: Yep, yep, that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, which is one of the main advantages, or a key advantage of infrastructure as code, right? Is pre infrastructure as code in that same situation. The uh, ops team would have to say, "Okay, you can make an EC two, but uh, yeah. make sure you don't <laughs> click these five buttons. And when you click on this page, make sure you click this button." So,
0: yeah, much yeah,
1: yeah. much more uh, shareable and standardizing of best practices.
0: But but when you're building Terraform, you all are you like going all in the modules? So you make modules out of everything, and then you like they inherit in shelter, or or do you keep some? No, you do modules or so everything, right?
1: Yeah. So in our organization personally, what we do is for logical divisions, we have an individual module. So, for example, we have some infrastructure in Google Cloud for our API, our core API, that's bundled into a module. Yeah. So when we want to deploy that into another environment, say staging or production, it's really easy. We simply you know, reference that same module, add a few variables, and then suddenly we have our our API uh, up and running in the next environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically also using Terraform not only for setting up like the infrastructure and then deploying it, up. using Terraform for actually deploying your your services as well, and uh, making sure that they're running. Um. Maybe not
1: as much making sure they're running, but certainly you know if you're container based. Yeah. then you can specify, hey, reference this container image and pull uh, that okay. in to the compute. So that's essentially where that comes in. Ah,
0: cool, cool, yeah. Cool. yeah. So, I mean, one of the other things as well, we talked about more or less like Terraform here against AVS, but it can do a lot more, right? Sorry, can you, can you repeat yeah, that? Yeah, we talked about like Terraform against the cloud providers, but it, it can uh, do a lot more in cloud, right? Not only set up like uh, easy to install, so you can start containers and, and uh, like, uh, I know it can run like Kubernetes commands against the uh, QS classes as well. So you can do a lot more, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think fundamentally Terraform is a API management tool. It yeah. happens to be that, you know, people really use it for managing cloud provider APIs, but, you know, that you can create a Spotify playlist as one example, using Terraform. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's cool. So you can have something playing when you're releasing like different uh, tracks, maybe <laughs> depending on the application. That would be exactly. fun, right? That sounds like a hack day project, right? <laughs> so, so we talked about is we set up like a really nice workflow, I think, right? With all the tools and you want to make sure that, uh, that you don't have any drift other things, but, but, uh, I mean, now I know that you have your tool here, like Drag and Drop. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And you can actually stop, uh, like uh, detect drift and alert on that. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: basically, the foundation of Drag and Drop is an open source tool we maintain called Cloud Concierge. Yeah. And Cloud Concierge, what it does. Essentially is proactively scan your cloud environment for drift. And then yeah. the other thing it scans for is uncodified resources.
0: Okay. Okay. Um but but are you saying that you will pick up resources that are like people clicked in? Exactly. Yeah. So completely
1: uncontrolled by Terraform. So we'll ah. detect both of those things yeah. and then output the results into your version control system directly as a pull request. So um, that pull request will tell you what resources have drifted. And they'll also tell you, they'll also have, include the generated code and import statements for resources not currently managed by Terraform.
0: Now I need to stop here. Are you saying that uh, you will generate Terraform from the current uh, AWS funding? Yes,
1: that's exactly it. So, in that. Uh, Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. go
0: ahead. <laughs> no, um we, 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 I haven't heard. I haven't heard about anybody that can, uh, like, scan AVS and and get the data from AVS in a like a, a way that you can look at it, like in a Terraform or something. I think it's a lot of companies trying to do this, it's like, uh, you're getting the data from the AVS because that's the biggest concern, you know, as we said before. You come to a company, or whatever, and you're like, "What is running here?" I don't know, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So we'll automate. We'll automate that oh, uh, cool. part of the process to do some exploration uh, of the cloud environment, compare it to what's currently in your Terraform state files, and then give you that that difference. Um, another thing that I think ties to something that came up earlier is, you know, the best practice ultimately is most. The vast majority of changes going through that Terraform workflow, yeah. So we can actually tie into something like AWS CloudTrail and say, "Hey, huh. who actually caused this drift in the first place?" And we'll yeah, flag yeah, that yeah. for you in, in that report. Or you know, who created uh, this EC2 instance outside of Terraform, and we'll flag yeah. that to you in your report. So you can hopefully kind of you know move your organization more towards solely uh, GitOps.
0: Yeah, but that's nice. I mean, one of the things like sometimes you don't want to block; you want to like highlight the issue, right? And this right. would be one one of the tools done. Cool, but but uh, okay. And where where does the tool? Uh, when we talked about this perfect you know, workflow we described before, right? <laughs> like, when when are your tool like chunking in here? Is it like at the the merge request or? At what, uh, what state is it jumping in?
1: Yeah. So generally, we can think of it kind of running uh, regularly at some cadence in the background. Yeah. So, you know, scanning different subsets of your cloud on a regular cadence and alerting you to when drift occurs proactively through yeah. a pull request. Yeah.
0: Ah, cool. 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 Okay. I, I think. Uh... There was a lot of information here really quick as well. Uh, I having uh, hard come up with, with more difficult questions for you, Ben. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if you talked about uh, common mistakes, if you go back to that, like, what's, what's what you see mostly are the common mistakes that people do? Is it like the storing the, the state file wrong? Is it like big state files? Or so like, is it the crazy looping in terraform like where 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 do you see the most common issues with terraform like the common mistakes that people do.
1: Yeah, I think I think the biggest issues there's no single one, but generally the same pattern is essentially it starts as something that seems innocuous at first and then kind of becomes tech deck that rapidly accumulates interest on that debt. So you know something like that single state file we talked about earlier. That's a key yeah. example. You know it's easy to start out with a single state file, not think too much, um, and then before you know it, your plan applies, are taking forever, and you're at risk of losing all of your infrastructure and in, in one state file corruption, yeah, or losing your infrastructure management. Similarly, you know, not starting out using modules for different groupings of resources can yeah. be another uh, key one. You know, it's easy to just say, okay, I need this S3 bucket and I need yeah. it to talk to this Lambda, et cetera. Yeah. But it makes it very painful when it comes time to scale and comes time to replicate across environments. Yeah. So, yeah, still, similar, I, I'd say that's kind of the general theme um, of most most issues that people can make. Yeah, uh, I mean, terraform
0: just, just like pointing my two things that I have made my telephone. Uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, yeah oh, damn, I need to to, to do that. Uh, uh, I mean, Terraform become like the the one tool, right, right, that everybody does. But do you see any other tool coming up and trying to to do the same as, as Terraform do, like can can it be something around it?
1: Yeah, so I think certainly um, people familiar with the Terraform space will know that. There's recently a pretty large fork of
0: oh, uh, the yeah, Terraform yeah, project.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how how that continues. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's the most uh direct competitor for Terraform simply because the switching cost is theoretically going to be yeah. very low between those two tools. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah sure, sure. Certainly the competition between the two of them will enable more features. Um
0: but but you still see like the Terraform and the Open Tool for us like one of the competition. The other ones, I mean, we kind of ditched Ansible a long time ago. We couldn't keep up, right? But I mean, Pulumi is that something you just like think about, or I mean,
1: uh... yeah. So I think Pulumi, uh, the key difference between something like Pulumi and Terraform is Terraform is primarily written in what's called HCL. It's yeah. Kind of like this very readable configuration language, almost. Yeah. Um, whereas Pulumi is written in, uh, you know, a native programming language. You write yeah. your Pulumi yeah. infrastructure as code using Go, Python, TypeScript, et cetera. And so it can be much better for, say, a, a developer-heavy DevOps team as yeah. an example, who doesn't yeah. want to have to learn HCL, who really yeah. likes using their uh, tool of choice. You know, there are trade-offs, having something that's kind of less uh, declaratively written. Yeah. So, you know, things can get pretty complex quickly in a programming language yeah. in a way that <laughs> they're much more visible and readable using something yeah. like HCL. Um, so that's just a trade-off. It, it depends on your organizational preferences. Um. The other challenge with Palumi is just the community is smaller. So some of those tools yeah. I mentioned around you know cost estimation, security scanning.
0: Yeah.
1: It is harder to in- include in a kind of pre-built way into your Palumi pipelines. Yeah.
0: yeah. Cool. Uh, I think we're kind of ending, uh, coming up to time around uh, thirty-five minutes. But I mean, if if we go back now and, s- and summarize, I mean, the perfect Terraform workflow, right? Uh, first, uh, we, we need to set them up right. We need to have like the state file and the lock, and we have the state file remote, uh, and then we chunk up uh, the the state file in multiple things. And it doesn't really matter how you do it as long as you have some structured way, right? Yeah, make it reasonable, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good number. make it reasonable, right? Uh, and, and then you want to control who execute the change, right, into your environment. You want to have that control. So you won't give that to the developer. You want to have that in, in your pipeline, right? Uh, yep. And, and by doing that, you can add all all these tool cool tools that, that you talked about, like, how much will it actually cost my company, right? Security. And you can add your uh, tool as well, drag Down. That will just change the diff and visualize all these things before uh, you're ready to, to uh, you know, run that, apply, change to to your infrastructure, right? Yep. Uh, and and uh, really, this is the perfect setup. Uh, but you also need to lock down uh, your AVS, right, from... Uh, Uh, people that can uh, with long fingers that clicking changes (laughs) right
1: (laughs) yep yep or folks who who love the cli you know
0: time time to use terraform (laughs) (laughs) sounds good ben it was nice having you here then you have last words you want to add to the show we of course add uh, the show notes with with links to your profile and to uh, your product and all that Uh, other other else last words here no, I
1: think uh, I think you summarized things well, and uh, thanks for having me on. Good, good yeah. chatting.
0: <laughs> thanks, man. It was great having you here. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias, Andre, and Julian. For more podcasts and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning
1: in.